Well, we are going through a, a, a week, a, a week long, a year long uh, focus on uh, scripture memorization. And every week we have a verse of the week, and then we uh, we focus on it, look at it during the sermon. Hopefully, look at it and think about it throughout the week. Uh, we've taken to putting our verses up on the the fridge. I don't know how many we're going to get to before we have to start cycling them out. But this month, January, has been focused on the. We looked at scripture and we looked at uh, how God's word is a light to our feet, and a, or excuse me, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and how we can treasure His word in our hearts. And as we've been doing this, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I've been building up to today's verse, which again, let's go ahead and, and look at this verse to with one another again. It's John chapter one, verse one. And in the New American Standard Bible, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's going to be our verse for this week. Let's go ahead and, and, uh, I didn't invite you all to say it with me, some of you all know to, but I'm going to invite everyone. Let's go ahead and, now that we've looked at it and heard it a couple times, let's say this again together, shall we? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so as I started to say earlier, we have been looking at the Word throughout January, and we started with all Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And then we had three weeks where we were in the Psalms looking at how we can treasure God's Word in our hearts that we might not sin against him, that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, that the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. And I kind of gave it away a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but as we've been going through that and looking at the word, in the back of my mind with all of those scripture passages, other than the first one which talks specifically about scripture, there has been the idea that there is one greater than the Word. There is a greater Word than Scripture. And and a lot of times in in Scripture and in the Bible, there is what I like to think of as prophetic unfolding. You know, where, for instance, in Isaiah, you have a child who will be born, right, from a young maiden. And and we understand that to be a reference to Jesus. But in, in Isaiah's time, he was talking about an actual child that was going to be born then, And he was telling the king, a child will be born, and before he is old enough to know right from wrong, these things are going to happen in your life, O king. In the same way, the the idea of the Jewish Messiah is throughout the book of Isaiah. And there's a certain certain, uh, way that the nation of Israel is the, the Messiah, the chosen one. Even a pagan king the Messiah at one time because he is the chosen one to send the Israelites back home. But all of them are a foreshadowing of the true Messiah, Jesus. And in a similar way, we see where, you know, Abraham offers Isaac as a sacrifice. He's a, he's a picture of Jesus to come. And I would say in a similar way, we have Scripture and we call it the Word of God and we we, to a certain extent, revere Scripture, 
Scripture is a guide for us. It is a light to shine on our path. Scripture is something that we should treasure in our hearts, that we would know what God desires of us and that we would not sin against him. But beyond all of that, you could just as easily take Jesus and put him into those verses. Jesus is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That Jesus I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against God. That Jesus is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. And we find here in John 1, 1, the idea of the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And what John is telling us right from the beginning is that Jesus is greater, is the greater Word over the Word of God that we call the Bible, Scripture. Because Jesus is the true Word of God. Jesus is the true Word of God, with God from the beginning. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And there's a, there's a kind of a, a funny thing that is happening in John chapter 1 that, that really focuses this idea that Jesus is the true Word of God. And, and our English translations, our English translations have it, the Word was with God, the Word was God. But in the Greek, it's kind of confusing. Because in the Greek it says the Word was with God, and, and actually it's the Word was with the God, and God was the Word. And, and this causes some confusion because God, in, uh, you know, we're used to the Word was God, but actually in the Greek it's flipped around. God was the Word. Now, that shouldn't come to too much of a surprise for us because you've heard me talk about how the Israelites think of things in a chiastic structure oftentimes, that, that we as uh, Westerners, we will put an emphasis on something by putting it at the front or the back. It's either the engine driving it or it's the caboose coming at the end, right? And, and that's what we'll focus on. But the Israelites, what they would do to make something important, to make us focus on something, is that they would start with an idea and end with that same idea. And they would build up to a central idea. And so as they speak, they would, and I'm doing it left to right, but I should guess for you all, I should do it the other way. They would start with an idea and present us something else sometimes, and they could do that any number of times. But they start with an idea, and then they have a central idea. They repeat that central idea sometimes, or they'll just have it at one thing, and then they close out with the original idea. So for instance here, you have word, God, God, word. You see that? And so what we're focusing on is God. We're focusing and strengthening that idea. Not word was God, word, or, you know, with God. Not like that, but to focus it on God. That Jesus is the true word of God as the second person of the uh, Trinity. He is, and as when you think about what it means to be a word, or to speak a word, we give life to things with words. We give uh, definition with words. We explain with words. We can come to know with words. And, and that's what Jesus 
has said over and over again to us that we know the Father because of Him, that He speaks what the Father tells Him to speak. He is the true Word of God. Now, through Scripture, we can find out about God. But so much more do we find out about Him through Jesus. And Jesus is greater. And one of the ways that we see that He is greater here in verse 1 is that it tells us right from the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And that's, that's repeating the idea from uh, Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning, God. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was God. And in a similar way, in the beginning was the Word. One of the things that John is telling us from this is that Jesus is eternal. And why is that important? Jesus is eternal. Scripture is not. Your Bible that we love and has been around for our entire lives was not always in existence. Jesus did not have Romans to read. Jesus did not preach from the Gospels. The Gospels tell us about Jesus. They didn't exist when Jesus was walking on the earth. Jesus is eternal. Scripture is not. We see here in, in verse 2, he repeats the idea just so that we know that we're really talking about a person because verse 1 is just in the beginning was the Word, the Word, and the Word. But in verse 2, he goes, He was in the beginning with God. Jesus was there in the beginning with God. We know from Proverbs, Proverbs says that wisdom was with God there at the beginning too. But Scripture was not. Scripture doesn't begin to be written down until a man named Moses. After the Exodus, God did a lot of things prior to that. And it wasn't written down until Moses wrote it down in the five first books of the Old Testament. It's going to feel almost sacrilegious what I'm saying about Scripture, and I'm sorry about that, okay? It feels weird for me, too, to say it, because it feels like I'm putting down the Bible, and I don't mean to put down the Bible, but what I do hope to do is elevate Christ and help us to appreciate Scripture as it is, not making it something more than it is. We talk about it as the Word of God, and it is, but Jesus is more the Word of God. He was the one that was with God in the beginning. Scripture was not. In fact, the, the Baptist faith and message that our church ascribes to, the 1963 version, when it talks about Scripture, it says the Holy Bible was written by men, divinely inspired, and is the record of God's revelation of Himself to man. So, so just consider this. The Bible isn't even the revelation of God to man. The Bible is the record of God's revelation. It is not everything that God has done. John tells us at the end of his gospel, if everything that Jesus did was written down, the world would be full of books. God has done many things that are not written down in Scripture. Even in those times, Jesus had three years of ministry. Not everything he did was written down. This is just a record. 
of his revelation to us. And I don't mean to say just as in to belittle again, but we need to remember that God is so much greater and so much bigger than what is confined in this book. This is his word, yes, but Jesus is even more so. Whereas the Bible is inspired and written by men who were divinely inspired by God, verse 14 in John tells us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Whereas scripture is written by men who were divinely inspired, Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. He is so much greater than scripture as being the word of God and letting us know who God is. The word became flesh. He dwelt among us. We saw his glory. So much greater than scripture. In fact, the the Baptist faith and message concludes the, the, the passage on scripture by saying, and I love this, the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. That means that as I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, come to Scripture and I read it, I'm reading it through Him as a lens, you might say. I read Paul, as I read 1 Peter, as I read Revelation, as I read Exodus, the criterion by which I interpret is Jesus. I don't go to Jesus and interpret Him based on Exodus. I don't go to Jesus and interpret him based on Paul. When I go to the Gospels and I try to understand what's going on, I go based off of what they tell me about Jesus and what the Holy Spirit tells me about Jesus. And if I find at some point that the the person of who Jesus Christ is as he is revealed in the Gospels, and I find a passage in Romans or in Galatians or in 2 Corinthians, that seems to be, and I'm just throwing those out. I'm not saying I actually have a passage in mind here. But if I find a passage from another, another New Testament writer, and it seems to be in conflict with the person and the work of Jesus Christ, but I know that they're both Scripture, they're both divinely inspired, they encourage and support one another, what do I do? Well, I take that passage from somewhere else and I say, how do I understand this passage based on Jesus Christ? I don't say, this passage, I'm going to make Jesus Christ different based on how I'm understanding this passage. That's dangerous. No, I say, okay, this is who Jesus has been revealed. This is a difficult passage. You know, it can be a difficult passage because it sounds outside of his character. It can be a difficult passage because it's something I don't want to follow. There are lots of reasons why it can be difficult. The temptation is to bend Jesus to our will, to bend Scripture to our will. Instead, we've got to bend it ourselves to him and say, how does he inform this word? Then I will follow. He is greater than Scripture, and he is the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted. And just a little side note, both of these were removed in 2000. It's one of the reasons why our church holds to the 63. The statement that Jesus is the criterion by which we interpret Scripture and the statement that uh, the Holy Bible is the record of God's revelation of himself. 
taken out 2,000. But really, that, that was when I learned that when I came to think of Scripture in that way, it's, God's, it's the record of God's revelation. It's not everything. It's just what we need. Wow, what a good way to understand as we come to Scripture that there is one greater, there is one who stands behind it. When we say this is the Word of God and it has authority in our lives and it is the, the, the basis by which we unite together and understand how to interact with one another is Scripture. You know, we don't go and say, well, I've just got a word from the Lord and it says that we all need to do this. And somebody else says, nope, I got a word from the Lord and it says this. No, we can always take whatever word of the Lord you think you're hearing or whatever you feel like God is guiding you, we can always go to Scripture and say, is what I feel agreeing with what God has declared? But we have to remember that this is not all of God. And that God is the one that stands behind this. This one, this book does not stand behind God. It's not supporting God. God supports it. He is greater. It is weaker. But we live our lives based on it, don't we? I don't mean to, like I said, it sounds almost sacrilegious. It feels like I'm just putting Scripture down, and I don't mean to. I just mean to elevate Jesus. But we have that struggle, don't we? We can elevate Scripture to much. In fact, this is a problem that the Jews in Jesus' time had. Here you had the Word of God becoming flesh, dwelling among us, walking around, telling them how they could know God better, that He was the, the very being of God, that if they had seen Him, they have seen God the Father, that they could believe in Him, and if they believed in Him and had faith in Him, then they believed in God. But if they didn't believe in Him, they didn't believe God. And at one point in John chapter 5, he actually tells him in verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. He was talking to people who elevated scripture to such a point that when he showed up, they wouldn't listen to him. They didn't allow Jesus to inform them on how to better understand the, the scriptures. Instead, he showed up and he was saying things that to them sounded new and weird. And so they tried to get him to bend to their understanding of Scripture. They did the very thing we were tempted to do. Jesus says, no, you don't understand. You, you, you go looking in Scripture for life. You think that in them you have eternal life. You think by, and you got to understand, he was talking to Pharisees, the people who had, who had decided they were never going to go against God again in their lives. The Israelites had been sent off into uh, Babylon and exiled because of their idolatry and their lack of following the, the, uh, the Mosaic law. When they came back, there were a group of them that said, never again. Have you noticed that in Jesus' time, they do not have problem with idolatry? You don't have a golden lion in, in Dan and another one in Beersheba. You don't have these problems. You don't have high places where they're worshiping Asherah. Why? Because a group of people who later became known as Pharisees said, not on our watch. And not only did they follow the word of the Lord, but then they created hedgerows and, and guide, uh, you know, extra, extra guides to make sure they stayed on the, on the right path. And they did such a good job that when the word of God showed up, they wouldn't listen to him. And they were afraid that he was actually idolatry. They did such a good job 
they turned Scripture into legalism. They went too far. Jesus tells them, no, you, you look for life in them, but the truth is that Scripture points to Jesus. Any life we're going to find in Scripture is going to come because we find Jesus, not from the words of Scripture themselves, but from Jesus that Scripture is telling us about, from Jesus who Scripture is testifying about. That's where we find the life. Scripture points to Jesus. It lets us know about Him. And isn't that generally the way? The, the weaker, the servant, points to the Master. The herald goes before the king. John went before Jesus. The master does not go forward first. Servant serves the master, and Scripture serves Jesus, and Scripture points to Jesus. And there will come a time, I, I kind of wonder, you know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of them is love. And that there is a time, you know, we have prophecy, but there will be a time will fail when we'll no longer need prophecy because we will see with our eyes the risen Lord. And I wonder sometimes, you know, and, and so faith and hope. We won't need, need faith because we will actually see and be with Him. But love will endure. And I kind of wonder how much Scripture we will need in the new kingdom the new heaven and the new earth. How much will we rely upon it as we rely upon it now in our lives today? Will we need it? Because the Word of God will be right there with us. And we won't need the sun because His light will shine. We'll have no more need of the sun. I wonder how much need we will have of Scripture once we are resurrected and have new bodies and are in the new heaven and the new earth. Jesus is eternal. He'll still be there. There was a time when we did not have Scripture. There may come a time when we will no longer need Scripture. I, I'm not saying a statement of belief or fact. I'm just pondering and wondering. That is how much greater Jesus is, that Scripture points to Him. In fact, Scripture tells us in first, uh, not first, but in John chapter 1, in verse 3, Talking about verse 1, where in the beginning was the Word, and in the beginning of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, in verse 3 of chapter 1 of John, we're told, all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The Jews went to the Scriptures looking for eternal life. We have life today because of Jesus. Everybody who is alive today, every creature that is alive, every plant that is alive, is alive because of Jesus. All things came into being through Him. You could even say those things that are not alive, those things that are inanimate, the granite rocks, the concrete, the stars, the moon, all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, without Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. There is nothing that exists today that does not have as its source Jesus. Because when God said, let there be light, Jesus was the Word of God saying, let there be light. 
There is nothing that exists today that does not have Jesus to thank for its life or its existence. But even beyond that, we know that in Jesus, we have eternal life in Jesus. That because He is eternal and because He came and died on the cross for our sins and rose again, not only do we have this first life that we enjoy, we have eternal life in Jesus. Jesus said in, in John chapter 5 that you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. It's in Jesus we have eternal life. As, as great as Scripture is, it does not save us. As, as much of the light on the path that it is, what does Scripture tell us that, that Jesus is light and that we are to walk in the light? As much as Scripture is the light, He is more and as much as we are working this year and encouraging ourselves to treasure his word in our hearts, to, to study the scriptures and memorize them and to apply them in our lives, how much more important is it that we treasure Jesus in our hearts, that we dwell on him and that we walk with him and we allow him to inform us through the scriptures? We have life eternal because of Jesus' death and resurrection which is far greater than the life we can find in Scripture. The greatest choice and decision we can make today is to listen to and obey Jesus Christ. And maybe today you know what that difference feels like. Maybe at some point in your life you studied Scripture. When I was a kid in elementary school, I went to a private Christian school, King James Version only. No denim allowed. It was Satan's clothing. And we memorized Scripture. We memorized Scripture. I've got a green King James Version Bible with highlighted chapters. Didn't do me a lick of good. I'm sure maybe, okay, maybe a couple of licks but not Tootsie Roll center lick of the Tootsie Roll pop. I didn't get to that goodness, the deepness, the inner working until I came to know Jesus. And I will tell you a wonderful, fantastic thing that all that scripture learning that I did as a kid growing up, it paid dividends the second I believed in Jesus Christ. It was like a flood of knowledge and growth, that all these things that I had memorized and studied, all the stories that I had grown up learning about, when I believed in Jesus, those things weren't, I didn't have to relearn it all, it just came flooding back through Him. He was the one that gave it life in my life to help me to grow and to be righteous, not them in themselves. I want to encourage you today, if you have never believed in Jesus Christ, if you study Scripture, if you read the Bible, but Jesus does not inform it and Jesus does not strengthen it and Jesus does not make it grow in your heart, I want to invite you today to believe in Jesus Christ. He is the true Word of God. More than Scripture. Scripture tells us about Him. Scripture helps us to understand Him and know Him. But life is found in Jesus. And as we've talked about 
the Word being a, a light, and as we've talked about treasuring the Word, and as we've talked about the Word of God being upright and working in faithfulness. This week, I want you to think of those verses and think of them in light of Jesus Christ being the Word of God. Let's say this verse together one more time. John 1, 1. And remember that He is the Word above all other words. Say it with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Scripture that tells us about Jesus, that tells us of Your Word. We thank You, Father, that Scripture informs us and guides us and strengthens our faith. But we know, Lord, that it's Jesus. It's Your Holy Spirit speaking through these words that really make them work. But above all else, it is Jesus who is your word. The one who tells us about our Father in heaven. The one who shows us the way to him by faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, as we study scripture, as we go to it, I pray that it would not be the end, but merely the means to knowing our end in Jesus Christ. And if there is anyone here, Lord, today who does not believe in Him, we pray that they would come to know the true Word of God, the one that was there at the beginning, the one that has given them life, the one that offers to them forgiveness and eternal life. If there is anyone here today in that place needing to believe in Jesus Christ, we pray you open your heart to the Holy Spirit that you would hear Him speaking to you guiding you to believe. And we invite you this morning to place your faith in Jesus Christ, to walk with Him. Lord, we pray that you would be working in our hearts to believe in Jesus today. We ask these things together as a body. In Jesus' name, amen.